Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our Thrive Sermon Series. During this series, we're exploring what it means and looks like to thrive in Christ. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We'd love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have one thing that other people don't have. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit living in us through faith in Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at this fruit of goodness today. We're going to look at four points. All right. Here's the first point. We were created to do good. Turn to the person next to you and said, you say you, you were created to do good. So the, the Apostle Paul makes it clear that we're saved by faith in Jesus, not by good works. And we're going to look at this verse from Ephesians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can open to it. It's going to be on the screen too. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his, meaning God's worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Boy, that one verse is chocked full of a lot of information. First of all, you were created by God to be part of God's kingdom plan. That's right. Every single person in here, you were created by God, and God created you to be part of his kingdom plan. You were created to be a part of his kingdom work. Here's the second thing to understand. In your mother's womb, God knit you together, wired you together uniquely. You're different than everybody else in this room. God wired you together to do, to have certain gifts and certain talents and certain skills and certain uh, passions. And, And he wired you together that way to do good works to further his kingdom. And God prepared this for us. Uh, it prepared us for this, that we would walk and live in those good works. So ask yourself, are you doing what God created you to do? Are you doing what God created you to do? We were created by God to do good works. Not only were we created uh, to do those good works, to make other people happy, to, to make God happy, to please God, but we were also called by God to do good. We're called by God to do good. Look at the person next to you. Tell them you're called by God to do good. All right. We're going to go see what the Apostle Peter said. The Apostle Peter said in his second letter, uh, chapter 1, His, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory. And goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through him, through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self control, and to self control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. You'll discover that love is in all of the fruits of the Spirit. It's the superfruit, all right? 
Love is in all of the fruits of the Spirit. So uh, we're called to do good. When it, now, when it comes to faith in Jesus, when we come to faith in Jesus, we become new people. That's right. That means the course and direction and activities of our lives change because we have found the grace of God in Jesus Christ. We've been called to live God-honoring lives. And all of the fruits of the Spirit are activities of the life that God has called us to. Just a reminder of what the fruit are. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There are nine fruits of the Spirit. Actually, I don't think that list is exhaustive. I think that's just a sampling. But that's what Scripture says. There are those nine fruits. So think, think about this. As we live out our calling to embrace the calling of God to live by the Spirit and reject living by the sinful nature, we have to make decisions. The Spirit empowers us, but faith is something that we have to exhibit. So Paul tells us what the fruit of the Spirit, but before he tells us what the fruit of the Spirit are, he tells us what the desires of the flesh are, or what I would say are the anti-fruit. And you can find those, that's not going to be on the screen behind you, but you can find those in Galatians chapter 5, 19, 19 through 21. I'm going to read them. L- listen to the things that, uh, that are of the flesh. When we follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, Outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Folks, that list of sinful behaviors should concern all of us, particularly if we see any of them in our lives. This is all the bad fruits. There's no goodness in that list. Remember what Jesus said about fruit. He said you can recognize whether a tree is good or bad by the fruit it bears. A person can say that they're a follower of Jesus, but the fruit of their lives will demonstrate whether or not They've actually had a heart change, and they're truly following Jesus. That's why Jesus said, you know, some of you will say, Lord, Lord, but I'll say I don't know you when I come in my kingdom. Because we give lip service, but it doesn't change our lives. The Apostle Paul said this about evil and about goodness. He said, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I challenge you to memorize that verse this week. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So we're called to bear the fruit of goodness. And God not only has given us everything that we need to live a godly life, uh, God has called us to that godly life. And in that calling, we're asked to add goodness to the way we live out that calling. Now, some of you may say, you know, Clark, I, I just I, I don't feel completely uh, prepared to bear the fruits of the Spirit. You don't have to worry. That's my next point. All right? 
You've been equipped to do good. Turn to the person sitting next to you. Tell them, you've been equipped to do good. Have you ever been asked to do a job and you weren't given the right tools or you weren't given the right supplies or you weren't given the right training? Yeah, I think we all have experienced that. It stinks when that happens. It's very frustrating. And, and if it was a, a job for hire, you may not have lasted long there because you couldn't, you couldn't work in that environment. But in the environment that Christ followers who live by faith in Jesus Christ, we've been given everything that we need. Everything. God has equipped us. If we accept what he has equipped us with, we'll understand that we have everything we need. So we're going to look at one verse from the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy uh, 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So this tells us a lot about Scripture. Scripture has been given to us. We have all we need in God's Word. It equips us. It teaches us. It rebukes us. It corrects us. It trains us in righteousness so that we'll be thoroughly equipped. You have everything you need. But let's go back to the first phrase. All Scripture is God-breathed. It's an interesting word. If you go back to the original languages, it's a compound of, of two Greek words. The word for God, which is theo, and, and the word for breath or, or spirit, which is nestos, neo. God breathed. We understand in Scripture that the breath of God is the spirit. So, so in this Scripture where it's telling us that all Scripture is God-breathed, it's breathed by God the Holy Spirit, we understand that we've been equipped not only with the Word of God, but we've been equipped with the Holy Spirit who dwells in you from the day that you accepted Jesus Christ, and He's come to live in you in power. You've got the power that you need to live a God-honoring life, to bear the fruit of the Spirit. So we were called to do good. We were, we were created to do good. And we're equipped to do good. You have everything you need with the Holy Spirit and with God's Word. Everything. Here's the final point about goodness. You're commanded to do good. Turn to the person next to him and tell him, you're commanded to do good things. Hey, if that's your spouse, uh, don't rub it in, okay? But uh, um, you're commanded by God's word to do good things. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. He said, let us not become weary in doing good. Folks, don't get weary in doing good. You're honoring God. For the, for the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So what's Paul saying here? He's saying, do good to all people. And while he says, especially to those who belong to the family of believers, he also means that we're supposed to do good to those who are not followers of Jesus Christ. You know, there, there's a whole unbelieving uh, world out there that wants to see that Christians really believe what they say they believe, and they know if we really believe it, it'll change the way we live. It will change our actions. It's not bad to do a 
personal inventory occasionally and say, wow, are, are my actions matching up with what I say I believe? Does it connect? Uh, is, the, uh, is the message I'm sending out that I'm a different person because I have Jesus Christ in my life? We're commanded to do good to all people. So that means not only believers, not only unbelievers, that means to your, uh, your nuclear family, that means to your extended family, that means to your friends, uh, to your neighbors, uh, to your coworkers, to the people you go to school with, to the people you like and the people you don't like, uh, to the people that are, uh, are a pleasure to be around and the people who are annoying. We're commanded to do good to all people at all times. Now, let me just remind you, the definition for the fruit of the Spirit is the activity calculated to advance the happiness, that happiness in people's lives. Goodness is kindness in actions and deeds. So ask yourself, is the life I'm living, the deeds I'm doing, is it advancing the goodness of God in every area of my life? Now, listen, we're not talking about making people happy for happy's sake. We're talking about honoring God. We're talking about pleasing God. We're about talking about doing things God's way, not my way, not your way. That's important. Doing things God's way. We don't want to be people pleasers. We want to be God pleasers. Advancing people's happiness means are we loving them and serving them like Jesus would do? So think about that. Think about that in relationship to your life and to, and to all that you do. Now, let's talk about one area specifically where we should all be called to do good. Uh, the place where we spend most of our week, most of our waking hours, is the place where we work. And you may be a stay-home parent or you may leave the home for employment. But, but that place has been given to you by God for you to do good at. And you might say, well, Clark, I don't really like my job. For now, that is the place that God has put you to do good to all people. God has specifically put you in that place at this time, at this season, with that circle of people that you work with to do good, to honor Him. Think about that. It didn't happen by chance. Well, you say, well, you know, I talked to this headhunter and they moved me across the country to come here to Connecticut. Really? You don't think God's big enough to work through HR? Yeah. Because we've got GR, we've got God relations, all right? God can do that. I love when people laugh at my lame jokes. I tell you. <laughs> it makes me laugh. Um, uh, someday I'll tell a joke that's not lame. So um, I'm going to have to work really hard, though. So... God has wired you. He's placed you where you work. As I said, whether, whether it's in your home or whether it's out in corporate America or, or if it's at a service industry, wherever it is, God has placed you there. It's the primary place where God wants to use you to work in this season. 
So don't push back against it. Ask God, God, where can I exhibit the fruit of goodness? Look, if you're in school and you're studying, this is what you need to be. Whether you're, in, uh, you're, not, whether you're not in college and you're in school or you're in college, you need to be praying regularly. God, where do you want me to invest my life to further your kingdom by bearing the fruits of the Spirit? God wants to do that. God wants to work in our lives. God wants us to bear the fruit of goodness. You, you and I, I mean, we were created. We were created by a loving, compassionate God who wants to have a relationship with all people, and he wired us and put us together uniquely to do good things, to build his kingdom, to be a part of his team. And he called us to do that. And then he equipped us. We have everything we need to be bold. Walk in that truth, knowing that you've been equipped with everything you need. And then go out and do good. You know, uh, when Corey was sharing the announcements this morning, he was talking about some opportunities uh, to exhibit kindness. Um, these move into actions. Uh, so go out and do them. Uh, you know, go out and exhibit kindness uh, by doing good deeds. Go out and do that and, and change the world. You know, we believe sincerely if we love God and if we love people, we'll do good things, and that will change the world. So if you would, I, I would just like to pray for each one of us that we would let the Spirit who is in us take charge to bear the fruits of the Spirit, particularly the fruit of goodness. Just hold your hands open, if you would. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you love us so much that you would give us your spirit to fill us and that you would allow us to take these uh, promptings that the Holy Spirit gives us to bear the fruit of the Spirit, Lord. And we thank you for the power that comes from the Spirit. And Lord, now we want to walk in faith because you've equipped us. So Lord, with just a, a symbol, a symbolic act of openness, with our hands open, we say, Lord, Holy Spirit, work in us. Bear good fruit. Let us recognize that the opportunity is always before us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, you know, when I started off, I talked about how Jesus is really our example of what goodness is. And today... We do something that he told his disciples to do. He said, I want you to eat this bread and I want you to drink this cup in remembrance of me, celebrating, uh, at the time they didn't know it, but celebrating his life, his death, and his resurrection. So we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper and we need to prepare for that in two ways. Look, if you want to take the bread and the juice this morning and you've never told Jesus you believe in him, today's your day. I'm going to give you the opportunity to, to pray and tell Jesus you believe in him and want to follow him so you can become a part of God's family. And, and then I'm going to move into a time of silent confession for everybody else because we're told to prepare for the Lord's Supper, to confess our sins. So two different prayers. I'm going to start off. Let's just all bow our heads. Heavenly Father, for, for anyone in here today, Lord, who, who wants to tell you that they want to follow you and, and that they believe in you, uh, hear their prayers. If, if that's you, just repeat this silently to the Lord. Lord, I believe in Jesus. Just repeat that. 
Lord, I believe he died and rose again. Tell him that. Lord, I believe that he died to forgive me of my sins. Tell him that. Then tell him, Lord, I accept your forgiveness. Tell him that. And now I want to follow you all the days of my life. Tell him that. All right, now we're going to move into the prayer of confession. This is an opportunity for us just to sort of do a little spiritual house cleaning, to to say, God, I know I've sinned these ways. Forgive me. And and it's also to say, Lord, I I can't remember everything that I've done that I know was sinful, but I know I'm a sinner, so I ask for your forgiveness. So just spend a few few moments here uh, confessing your sins to God. Father, we thank you that you love us so much that you would send Jesus to the earth to pay for our sins. And so now, Lord, that we've confessed our sins, we have the assurance that you give us in your word that says when we confess our sins, you're faithful, you're just, you purify us and cleanse us. Thank you. Amen. I'm going to invite the servers to come forward and prepare the bread and the juice. And and, and as they do so, let me remind you why we celebrate the Lord's Supper. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was with his closest friends, his disciples, and they were celebrating the Passover, but he redefined it. He redefined it into what we understand as the Lord's Supper. He took bread and he broke it, and he said, this is my body, broken for you. Take it and eat it in memory of me. And then after they'd eaten the bread, he took the cup and he poured it into, he took the juice and he poured it into a cup and he said, this cup, this, this red wine, red juice represents my blood and it's poured out for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this in memory of me. So I invite you to stand up. You can come forward to receive the bread and the juice. The, the pita bread is uh, uh, natural. The uh, little discs are non-allergenic in case you need that. So uh, please come forward to receive the bread and the cup. In Scripture, it tells, that it tells us that as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, We proclaim Jesus' death until he comes again. That's a statement of faith. It's a proclamation to the world that we believe in Jesus. Speaking of faith in Jesus, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, we have a resource. We'd love to put it in your hands this morning. At the end of the service, prayer team members will be up here to to talk to you or to pray with anybody that, that would want to pray. Um, I also want to give everybody an invitation to come back at uh, noon. We're having uh, a fellowship meal, a chili uh, focus on that, so we encourage you to come back for that time. I also would say this, if if you uh, uh, are interested in being baptized, we'll be talking about some baptisms uh, indoors in the uh, coming weeks, Uh, so uh, let us know if you're interested in that. Look, I want to challenge you. 
from the bottom of my heart, you have the Holy Spirit. You've been equipped to to do everything that God has created you to do, has called you to do. So as you go out into the rest of your week, I want you to go out with new eyes. Eyes of faith. Say, God, where can I do your goodness in this world? Let me close with a final prayer over all of you. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you brought us all into this place today. And Lord, we thank you for your spirit who who equips us and who fills us and helps us bear the fruits of the spirit. And Lord, knowing that we're created and called and equipped and commanded to do goodness. Lord, give us eyes to see those opportunities that are right in front of us every day. And let us honor you as we step into those fully and boldly. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Go in peace. I encourage you to go out to the cafe and enjoy some refreshments. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. It's our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information about Valleybrook Community Church, please visit our website at valleybrook.cc.